Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Jim. Austin may be uh, joining us a little bit later. We'll have to wait and see uh, one of those things with doing things on the internet. Sometimes there's technical difficulties. Uh, I thought, you know, my wife was talking to me the other night and she said, you, you know, she doesn't read the, the page at all. It's not her thing. She'd rather be reading a romance novel. But um, she asked me, she said, what's happening uh, around the world, what has happened with the the plague? Uh, not the plague, but I guess it's a plague. But with the virus, uh, has it caused things to to calm down? And I said, well, you know, there's nothing real major going on. Everybody's still bickering here and there, but it's it's not like uh, we've got any major efforts of. Uh, war or, or anything like that everything's gone into sort of a a downturn right jim yeah the uh we i call it the plague of peace uh there are two things going on here one in countries that have a lot of you know modern medical care uh they know that the disease can increase the death rate among their population over the normal you know deaths but uh, in many countries, in Africa, yeah, Middle East, Asia, uh, they haven't got the health care to begin with. Uh, and this frightens them. In fact, the only people in these countries who are doing anything to uh, implement, you know, uh, uh, countermeasures to uh, avoid the spread of the virus are the upper crust, as it were, people in the cities. Uh, the government, uh, they realize they're most vulnerable because they will get medical care no matter what the uh, situation, and they don't want to die young and lose that or die old in most cases. Um, but the uh, in most of the world, and a lot of our wars are going on in, in uh, obscure parts of the world. You don't hear about them much, but that's where most of the fighting and dying happens, like in Africa. Uh, in fact, Austin is doing an update on Sudan and Congo, and I imagine he'll have some uh, something to say about the input, you know, the impact of the virus on those two theaters of, of, of violence. Um, but in many, I think, in many parts of the world, uh, coronavirus will come and go because unlike the Spanish flu, which mainly hit people in their in their prime, as it were. It was an unusual influenza. Uh, it was basically, when, once you got it, it, the more vigorously your, your body fought back, uh, the more intense the, the, uh, the flu became. So I mean, it, was, it was a really you know, nasty disease for that reason alone. Um, and it, it probably will end up, uh, in the end, as far as we can tell, it'll probably end up having a higher number of deaths or death rate even. Uh, because the world population was smaller back then, uh, than the coronavirus, because for most of the world, or a lot of the world, there's more medical care. Major countries like China, they have the resources. They, they, they produce most of the world's pharmaceuticals. And they're a police state. And despite the lying they've obviously been doing, uh, uh, they have managed to contain it because, you know, they're a police state. They can do stuff like that. Uh, but in most of the world, at least half the world's population, there is no modern medicine. And if something like this comes to a disease that affects mainly people who are very old, 
uh, or mainly who are infirm to begin with, who are sick, who have a disease that could kill them, you know, eventually or in the short term. And bingo, uh, the coronavirus comes along and it, and it arrives earlier. Uh, I expect even in the uh, in the Western world, uh, when you're you're uh, when how should I put it when the uh, the thing is over, and you can compare it historically. Looking at, for example, the United States, the government has always published, you know, weekly deaths from all causes. And I was watching that, and I noticed that early on in March, uh, I think the the latest data we have is the first week of April. They're always a little lagging, as it were. Uh, but the death rate, the national death rate, went down. Uh, because the the, uh, the 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 plague deaths, as were the virus deaths, are concentrated in a few areas, mainly New York City, not just New York State, but New York City urban areas, um, and most of the country, you know, it's it's a minor thing, you know, it's it's more of an inconvenience than a threat. Um, but since uh, a lot of people who were going to die in the next year or so anyway. Because, again, in incurable conditions, old age, uh, cancer, you name it, um, that uh, within 12, if you look at the, the death rate over, say, a 24-month period from the beginning of the uh, plague hitting in January, you'll find there was a little bit of a peak, and then there was a decline, and you'll probably find that the, the total deaths per week are lower than usual or expected over the next 12, 18 months, because you know, people who were about to die, died early. Now, in the rest of the world, this has enormous implications because eventually, you know, when they, they keep hearing all this uh, gloom and doom in the uh, Western, the industrialized world, uh, and uh, they notice, well, nothing's happening around here. You know, people are dying like they always do. They're old, they're sick, they die. You know, what's what's the big deal? Um but the people who are worried about it are the rulers of those countries <laughs> who know very well uh, that uh, they're they're marked, as it were, uh, unless they take uh, enormous precautions. So the only precautions that are being taken in most countries, as no matter how poor they are, is in the capital, uh, among the politicians and the you know the industrialists, what have you. Uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, for most of the world's population, uh, this like. The, the annual flu. We have the flu once a year. Have had it, you know, for as long as anybody can remember. Um, and the death rates vary. It'll go worldwide anywhere from well, eh, from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand. Um, that's worldwide, and that's that's part of the background. In other words, it's uh, it's in some years it's as bad as automobile accidents, uh, but in most years it is not. Uh, so you know, nobody gets excited about it. Uh, but when you have a pandemic, which is which this truly is, uh, it's a different matter. But, you know, in most of the world, I mean, we cover we monitor, uh, you know, uh, wars and, and civil disturbances, as it were, uh, uh, worldwide on a regular basis. Uh, there's nothing happening. I mean, people are undoubtedly dying of coronavirus. It is apparently spread to everywhere. But. Uh, if it hits an area which normally has, you know, a lot of deaths among, you know, the elderly and the and the and the and the, uh, the people who are, are very ill, 
they won't even notice it. I mean, unless people, unless doctors have the means to test, you know, people who are deceased, like they found out in the United, in New York City, they found out, my God, we had thousands of additional deaths in nursing homes. Well, what was anybody thinking? Uh, I mean, this is a big, this is a big scandal in New York City right now. People are yelling and screaming because the, uh, the next of kin of a lot of these elderly people, they got word that their grandfather, their parent, whatever, was ill, but they couldn't visit because of the, uh, you know, the, the virus. Uh, at the same time, the the state had not taken any extraordinary measures uh, in the nursing homes, not just to protect the, the, the people living there, but the staff. Now, the staff are primarily young people in good health, and so there hasn't been a lot of death among them, but a lot of them have caught it. And uh, as we discovered early on with the Diamond Princess cruise ship, uh, you know, a situation where they tested everybody and they found out that 80 percent of the population uh, that never feels it gets it. They might have find have antibodies indicating that it did, you know, the coronavirus did try to get in, but their body just blew it away and uh, developed what we're they're talking about now is herd immunity. In other words, once the. Uh, <clears throat> A disease like this passes through an entire population and spreads widely. And this happened even with the Black Death. There are parts of Europe where it didn't hit during the first uh, you know, outbreak, which killed a third of the population. But a century later, it would get into you know, obscure areas of Eastern Europe or what have you. Or even in Western Europe, there are areas where they're just so remote, it never got. But it eventually caught up with them. But again... Uh, in the uh, in the in, in this case, uh, it's a silent killer, so to speak, or actually a stealthy killer. In many parts of the world, they're not even noticing it. Uh, but what it is doing is something similar to what happened with chemical weapons in World War One. I. I mean, this is something we've discussed before. Chemical weapons were widely used <clears throat> uh, from 19, uh, 1915 on in World War One. And when the war was over, and they decided, and the Geneva Conventions were expanded to out, try and outlaw more things, the military did not make any big protest about outlawing chemical weapons. I mean, it was different, for example, with landmines. Uh, you know, a lot of military uh, commanders said, "Look, there is still, in many situations, there's a there is a real need for this, like in Korea and a few other places." Um, but with the chemical weapons, said, "Well, yeah, all right, all right. You know, we'll do the humanitarian thing, which is not something you expect out of those people." Um, and that held ever since. The only time it, the chemical weapons were used was during Iran and Iraq on a large scale that we saw all, all the World War I chemical weapons as well as nerve gas for the first time. Um, and that was because it was a, well, it was the Middle East. But, you know, there was a religious element involved and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is that this particular disease is not like the Spanish flu where it hits people of military age. It hits people who are not of military and people who are not eligible to be in the military. Anybody who's really sick, they're not going to take. These are the people that the coronavirus uh, is hitting. So, you know, I'm not trying to downplay the, the you know, the, the, the enormity of this, this real pandemic, uh, the first one we've had in a century. And indeed, the prediction has always been that there'll be about one every hundred years. So this is our hundred year disaster. Uh, and, you know, overall, it's not as bad as it could have been. Because if you imagine for a moment, if the, uh, the, the Spanish flu had occurred a year earlier, 
could have had a serious impact on the on the outcome of World War One because in historically it actually began I think it was first noticed in France in January of uh, 1918. Now this is the it was a critical year in World War One because the Germans had defeated the Russians and they'd moved most of their troops back to um, Europe and they had special training and what have you and they were going to have a victory offensive which they almost won. Uh, the Americans showed up just in time. You know, they we needed the, the Allies needed those extra troops, as it were, uh, to uh, prevent the Germans from breaking through. Uh, but if that had come a year earlier, uh, the Germans were still, you know, uh, on their way towards knocking down the um, uh, the Russians. And Russia and Germany were one of the last places where the Spanish flu got to, because would have gotten to because of the war. It you know it had a hard time crossing you know battle battle lines as it were. Uh, it would eventually gotten into Germany and uh, and uh, and Russia, but Russia was defeated at that point. The Germans were already moving their troops to the, the Western Front, and if that and if that uh, if that offensive either kicked off while the uh, the flu was going big time, uh, which might not have happened. Uh, the Allies probably would have been at a bigger disadvantage. As it were, there were a lot of uh, flu casualties uh, in the Western armies, the French and the British especially, um, but not so much that it had a decisive effect. But a year earlier, it could have had a decisive effect. Now, that's very different from the coronavirus. It's, it's forcing a lot of commanders to slow down operations. In other words, uh, we've been noting, uh, we get asked this a lot, What's happening with the uh, with the coronavirus worldwide? Well, I says, well, you know, it's it's sort of slowed things down. The, there is still fighting and dying going on, but it's mostly at not up close and personal. That is a lot of airstrikes, a lot of artillery, um, and uh, in in remote areas, there's still some terrorism of the sort, like with our roadside bombs, planted landmines, you know, things like that. But nobody's getting up close and personal and, and shooting people point blank and what have you because they might get breathed on, you know, before their victims die. Um, so even ISIL, the Islamic State, uh, distributed a warning a month ago uh, to their membership, uh, you know, warning them to, uh, you know, basically stay away from other people until this blows over. Uh, although I suspect that they've since then, I, I get hints as it were, that they figured out how this thing works and their young, robust, you know, warriors can probably get away with being a little more audacious, but that hasn't happened yet, but it might. Um, but this does have an impact on warfare. Uh, in World War One, it, it did change the minds of the uh, of the the high command uh, with the you know the the chemical weapons uh, because the troops were terrified of it. And basically, they they were they slowed down, they froze, uh, despite all the urgings of their officers and NCOs. Uh, they just were not going to you know uh, how should I put it risk their mess coming loose or something like that while, while they're advancing through all this pea soup of, of poisonous gas. Um, and so that the military was, was, uh, was basically willing to let it be outlawed and, and basically enforce the, you know, the, the ban ever since. Uh, but something like a, a virus that it's, it strikes the, uh, the able body, uh, that would be a different thing. We may yet in another century, you know, get a, uh, you know, an influencer like that, uh, 
uh, hopefully by then medical uh, science will advance to the point where they can stop it before it gets too far. Uh, but that's something people have to understand when they when they when they hear about comparisons between the Spanish flu and the uh, and the coronavirus. Um, uh, they hit two different groups of people, and that has a tremendous uh, impact on how it is perceived and how it actually. Uh, how it actually uh, changes, uh, you know, uh, you know, wars and and uprisings and what have you. For example, there's a lot fewer um, uh, demonstrations in countries like, well, even in Iraq, that they don't disappear, and they still happen. Uh, but there, there's a disincentive because a lot of people, uh, although they know as a fact that it, it mainly kills older people, uh, they don't want to take the chance. So it does have a calming effect on uh, on how should I, a lot of the violence, uh, which will undoubtedly pass in, in, a, in a few months, unless it, in, it comes back as the as flus influences usually do. The Spanish flu kept bouncing back up uh, for two years before it, it basically evolved into something you know uh, you know less less fatal. Uh, but the Black Death did not evolve into something more benign, and it kept coming back for several centuries, and, and it didn't completely go away until antibiotics were invented, in which case it became a minor nuisance because it was a bacterial infection, not a viral one. Uh, so, you know, disease does have an impact on history. Uh, and in fact, we're finding out more now about ancient plagues or, or pandemics. Uh, the, the measles was apparently the cause of the two great uh, plagues uh, in ancient Rome in the second century and the sixth century. In sixth century, it was in the Eastern Empire. Uh, but the, the scientific research has traced the, uh, the measles back to some an extinct species of wild cattle uh, in Central Asia of all places. Uh, but that gets back to the Chinese model. Ever since then, China has been the source of most of these these uh, these pandemic, you know, corona corona meaning a, a disease that's jumped from one species to another, which is which is always more virulent. I mean, any given time, there are billions of viruses floating around, you know, the the environment, and most of them have no impact whatsoever. You know, it's more it's more like you know a random walk. Uh, eventually, you know, uh, some of them are going to connect in a bad way, uh, and you're going to have a epidemic or a pandemic disease. Uh, but as you, as we know from you know our recent history, it happens very infrequently, and that's where the 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 epidemiologists and scientists came up with the uh, with the figure that a pandemic would arise about once a uh, a century. Uh, again, mainly because nobody uh, realized that the uh, until later, until after the Spanish flu, uh, that the source of most of these influenza, this type, these corona. Uh, type uh, diseases was coming out of China because China for a long time uh, uh, had been the most populated, most populous country in the unified country uh, in the world. Uh, there was a lot of people traveling, you know, up and down the rivers or by horseback, you know, back and forth with the imperial bureaucracy. And so it, it, when it, if it broke out, it could easily spread. And, and eventually, as, as, as transportation got better worldwide, it spread around the world. Uh, Chinese do not like to admit this. Uh, and now they have a very active uh, propaganda disinformation campaign saying, well, it's not us, it's not us, it's not us. But the science 
you know, is pretty much, you know, uh, nailed it down uh, to China, not just in this particular case, um, but in the uh, uh, in in all in historical cases. And so unless China is going to rewrite scientific history, which is difficult, but not impossible. uh, Jim, 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 can you hear me now? Oh, yes. Austin, your turn. No, I've been listening. No, no, no. Look, I have read in in the past uh, two months about six in-depth articles on on the Spanish flu. And one of them, and this is, uh, you said the Chinese cannot rewrite history. Understand that this is not proven. But there's Canadian evidence of a flu arising in 1917 in Western Canada. I mean, understand the Chinese had some uh, Asian, I mean, excuse me, the Canadians had some uh, Asian workers, Chinese workers, come in uh, to, uh, among uh, other things, work on the railroad and handle uh, uh, also uh, movement of goods, uh, uh, shipping in, in Western, Western Canada. And the thought is, by some of these epidemiological uh, researchers, that a flu enters Western Canada and moves to Eastern Canada along the, uh, along the railroad. And one of the reasons that this is considered not uh, outlandish is one of the first places that actually what we now call the Spanish flu shows up is actually in Kansas. Yeah. At, at the, at this is all right. Now, I, I'm not sitting here, you know, spinning conspiracy theories. Well, no, that, that, these are, that, these was, are, that was been disproved. Yeah, they, they basically, once they were able to uh, sequence the um, the surviving samples of the Spanish flu, which they had, they got from graves, from, from it, odd uh, graveyards, as it were. Uh, they, they, they basically say, no, not there, but possibly somewhere in North America. All right, all right. See, look, we're on the same beam. I was going to get to that. The um, uh, disinterment. One of the, one of the other sources is on that. What's that Norwegian islands? Fallsberg, I oh, believe I it guess. is. Yeah, yeah that's okay. where yeah. where they pulled in. Uh, you know, some very well, uh, <coughs> uh, well preserved, comparatively well preserved uh, bodies of people who died of uh, died of this particular epidemic. But they point being made out of. Eh, half of the six I've uh, I've read is that traveling on troop ships and on troop trains. You were talking earlier when I when my mic wasn't working. When you were talking about you know the subways have been a breeding ground for this yeah. in New York, and I was thinking that's that's the mention of troop trains, mm-hmm. troop ships, mm-hmm. and you know we we had uh, we've had. The De Gaulle, the French De Gaulle, the U.S. Theodore Roosevelt. There are really about two dozen U.S. Yeah. Navy ships that have had the coronavirus come up. You can't help but come in contact with other people. Yeah. When you're on a ship, it's impractical for everybody to wear hazmat. You can't be sailors uh, in, a, in a in a combat ship. Yes, now, and, the, and the air circulation systems uh, yes. make sure that the air is – that's why the Diamond Princess cruise ship was so critical because the, the air exactly. – you know, the, air, the air filtration system was was basically sending anything all over the ship. Exactly, and as as for this is, and this is not in in disagreeing with you. This is just putting a different frame on your 
a chemical weapons comparison. Let's use mustard, liquid mustard. It's not really a gas. That does, boy, does that slow down the pace of operations. Because you don't know where it is. And it's it's not where everybody, uh, compared to some of the other uh, chemical agents that uh, uh, poison gases that you you could encounter, here it's, it's, it's on the ground fairly easy to avoid, but you've got to be able to identify it. And in order to uh, limit the uh, physical damage, yes, of course, not inhaling it, but, you know, it burns your skin on this. You have to wear all essentially hazmat gear. And, and that World War One slow down the pace of operations. You fire mustard and then you'd have this zone where nobody would want to walk through. And if you had a vehicle, of course, you'd have to do what? Decontaminate it. So that it's not, uh, and and, the, and liquid mustard will uh, remain active for a, a reasonable amount of time. As a matter of fact, trace uh, elements were still showing up in the 90s and early 2000s on French World War One uh, battlefields. So they, somebody, uh, a farmer would get a what would be a, a trace HD distilled mustard uh, burn, and uh, when when tilling soil or dig, uh, 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 digging a trench. The same thing goes on with this biological threat because you've got to take, uh, and as this is what you were pointing out, you've, you've got to take precautions uh, as you're going about your, your, your daily uh, operational duties, plus the same thing applies in combat. Even though I was going uh, to say from what I can tell, uh, so the same level of chaos is continuing. Anarchic warfare is really a better way to describe it than what's once that's something we've used in the past. In Eastern Congo, Central African Republic, and in Yemen, uh, it it look I'm I, I realize the the Saudi-led coalition, quote unquote, stood down operations for both diplomatic and health purposes, but. Uh, it does not appear that that's really happened, particularly among the Houthis. Exactly. Uh, and it's so I, I'm just bringing those up. It, it, it does seem like it, it's had an effect. And I'm saying it seems at a, at a distance uh, and in uh, in Syria. And uh, it's uh, it's the, the you're bringing up the Iraqi demonstrations. They're still going on. Yeah, but, but not, look, not, it, not as intense uh, as it were. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if they're properly <clears> – <throat> I have not seen any photos on it, folks. I'm wondering if they're socially distanced. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it's, really, it, it's really possible. Now, there was one other thing I was going to uh, say, picking up. I, actually, the person who I first – I saw – uh, first that came up with us was Dennis Prager. Uh, there's, uh, Tucker Carlson had a, a, a riff on it. Uh, and he didn't give Prager uh, uh, a credit for it, but it was about the you know, concentration of uh, cases in New York, uh, in New York, New York City, uh, northeastern New Jersey, you know, which is a really a, a big, uh, you know, it's part of the greater New York City city area. It, w- it was if 50 percent of the cases in the United States were in Montana, would you shut down New York, which uh, I th- <laughs> no, it was I read it and I I. I, look, it was uh, it was not satirical, but you couldn't help but snicker and laugh at the point Prager was making about the 
pizza pie, hopscotch nature of the <clears throat> outbreaks here in the United States. When I last looked yesterday, now it's probably changed by, no, I, excuse me, it was two days ago. We're doing this on a Friday. So I last looked at that uh, Texas State Health Board uh, dash, dashboard. There were still 50 of Texas 254 counties that had not had a single reported case. Now, admittedly, those are, are counties that are, you know, uh, <clears throat> a sixth the size of Pennsylvania or something like that. Maybe not that, not quite that large, eighth the size of Pennsylvania. And, and they have 3,000 people living up. So <laughs> this, they are geographically distanced. By lifestyle, they are quarantined. Yes. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's hermit lifestyle. It's not really. But the deal is, is they're also off interstate. Well, no, they may have an interstate highway running through them. But unless they're you know, uh, running a, uh, the local filling station or, or whatever, they're, 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 they're living on ranches and uh, dispersed. You're, you're with your family with the half dozen uh, uh, locals, uh, you, you you may be employing or, or, or work on the ranch. Everybody knows everybody, and uh, I'm not saying this is ideal. I'm just saying that th that is socially distanced, and they're not. They they have had no reported cases. They're most of the fatalities in Texas. And again, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm glancing uh, glance at uh, occur within 12 counties, and um, eh, say 14, but uh, 12 counties. And I'll bet, even if you didn't know the county's names, everybody in a listening audience in the, in the United States, Canada, and Mexico would be able to name the, name the cities where they are. And you, know, you, can, you, you can do it right off the top of your head. Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, and to a lesser extent, uh, now there are a couple of El, uh, El Paso. Uh, oddly enough, Lubbock, Lubbock County uh, has had a some, uh, something of a uh, of a breakout. But the the four or five counties that really comprise uh, Houston, the four or five counties that are Dallas, Fort Worth, those are your those are your hot spots. And of course. What do you have there? Even though they're not relying on mass transit systems, Dallas has a has a has a very uh, limited one. They have greater population density, and that's uh, and yet Texas is still has. Uh, I think it just broke 500 fatalities uh, this week, so it's about about 550, and that's out of 29 and a half million people. No wonder when you look at New York City, subways, density, mass transit, and that's the you know on the troop trains, on the troop ships. Uh, there, every you're up next to other people, and in a place where, as 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 uh, as, as you said on on a ship with a uh, air system and 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 the like, uh, the <clears throat> you're breathing the same air. You're within uh, touching people, a place where you you can. Uh, <clears throat> can't avoid fluids in, in, in cases, and that's when people get sick. Uh, it's the same thing it was in 1917 or 1918 in that case. 
Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the the United States data. Uh, deaths and, and cases per million. New York is at 1,063 per million, the highest in the country, one of the highest in the world. Next wow. Is, next is New Jersey, which again is connected by the rail network, the, the mass transportation network, and Connecticut. Uh, those three are together amount to uh, 2,000, most of the deaths uh, in, in the country. Uh, and then you're right, it goes down there, Massachusetts, you got Boston, Louisiana, we had the Mardi Gras. <laughs> that Mardi Gras did that. Mardi Gras. Michigan, again, big cities, District of Columbia, a lot of ill politicians. Um, and so on and so forth. They also, they also have a the, the DC Metro is a very sophisticated uh, subway system, and that kind of. But Texas, remember New York, one thousand sixty-three. Texas, twenty-one per million. And, and you, 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 you've got to look at at, at populations of, of of the states. And California's right at forty million. Like I say, Texas twenty-nine and a half. Uh, and those, and then Florida's number three. I forget how how much it, it has. But but with the exception of parts of oh, the San Francisco Bay Area, and and uh, and Los Angeles, California has space. And there's and especially the the uh, the the eastern part uh, of the country, they've got something that may not necessarily approaching the kind of de- geographic dispersion you have in Nevada or the or or, or, or Texas, but they've got space. And yeah, California, California is thirty nine per million. See, not it's quite, down, twice it, with Texas is. It's down. Yeah. It's down in a in a in a, in a, in a comparable. Uh, a, a comparable place. Uh, one of the things that I've thought about, and I look and say I thought about it. I also read something a couple of days ago, is that a push on on certain types of mass tra- uh, transportation. Do you really want to do that if it is a breeder of uh, or a, a an accelerator of uh, of disease? As we know it, we're getting another lesson that it's an accelerator. I didn't say a cause, but an accelerator or a magnif- uh, a magnifier. And it's it's a question worth uh, worth asking when uh, you're asked to put up two billion dollars for a mass transit system in a, in a city. Hopefully, hopefully the next time they'll realize that, you know, in New York City, for example, the mass subway system is essential just to get the health workers and, you know, the essential workers, the food stores to their jobs. Uh, So but but they did realize from the beginning that they could have basically run the same number of trains, but uh, severely limited the number of people per car. Uh, and that was voted down for whatever reasons, you know. Uh, but that, that, that look, we say this in, in hindsight. We we aren't the daily press at the, the the daily briefing at the White House, okay? So we really we're speaking in hindsight, though. That we're not that obnoxious. No, Dan, <laughs> Dan, you said it. I was gonna say it's it looks like the ultimate reality show, except where do they find those actors who pretend to be members? <laughs> Members of the press, they are so perfect at, 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 at being obnoxious narcissists. I mean, the, the actors and actresses portraying the members of the press are just fabulous, Jim. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, well, what a comedy act. No, no, the, 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 look, the thing is, is that in hindsight, that would have been a brilliant, brilliant decision on the part of the New York City mayor or mass transit. Let's 
especially if we're going to talk about essential workers, healthcare workers are essential. And I'd say sanitation workers and cops and firemen, all right? I mean, if anybody wants to disagree with that, then feel free. But in a situation like this, your medical people and your your first responders are the are the most essential. They're more essential than Wall Street magnates by a by a by a long a long shot. Okay, let's let them travel and uh, on the on the subways disinfect the subways and and be socially dispersed. But that, of course, that's I'm talking in in hindsight. But that way, you fine. You need a mass transit system in New York City. I don't debate that. I've lived there. I lived in Manhattan eight years. But at the same time, you're gonna if you're gonna if we face a, a pandemic, that's the kind of decision on how to utilize the system. The, that's the decision that needs to be made. Yeah. Well, somebody else they're realizing it. At first, nobody was sure. Uh, how different this was from the Spanish flu because the Spanish flu again was frightening because it hit people in their prime, uh, and it's only after the thing got into the into the West where there we had more honest epidemiology, medical statistics, we realized it was it was the the uh, the younger people, healthier people, were largely immune. I mean, they weren't immune. Uh, they basically may have gotten it. They're doing this antibody testing now, and they're finding out that, as they did, you know, back in February with the Diamond Princess, that 80% of the population, and that was a, a somewhat older population on the cruise ship, but not a lot of very sick people because you had to be had, had to have a certain level of of, of health and, and mobility in order to get on a cruise ship because you had to be able to get to a lifeboat you know in order to uh, to take a cruise uh, but even there 80 percent you know got it uh, or were they had shown no in, in fact whatsoever although now they're testing again and they're finding antibodies and what have you uh, but that is not unusual uh, but when you have a disease that mainly kills, the elderly, you have to protect them. That's why in New York City, it's a big, uh, big scandal now that nothing was done to uh, provide extra protection for nursing homes, where they found an enormous number of deaths, many of them which weren't reported as coronavirus deaths because yeah. they, they didn't test people who who I died while not under the care of you know a coronavirus. <laughs> but that they they were able to in many cases that they had samples they could test and say, oh yeah, this this poor woman had you know coronavirus uh, yeah but yeah this is information hopefully you know uh, we did preserve a lot of the information we had from the uh, the, the pandemic of, uh, of the uh, the Spanish flu uh, in fact they, we've been studying that ever since um, but it did not really apply <laughs> With this one, because it, it basically turned upside down the people who were most uh, liable to it. Again, I think the, the the Spanish flu was was really unique. I think most pandemic diseases like this, they, they'll hit everybody equally. Um, but the uh, the coronavirus is 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 only really fatal. If you already have a pre-existing condition, you're either overweight or you're you're either suffering from a, a, a chronic disease and what have you, which is going to eventually kill you. Uh, those are the people who are going to, boom, be pushed over the edge, as it were, uh, by the coronavirus. Nobody really foresaw that. I don't think the Chinese even did, partially because, as, as they discovered early on, the, uh, the how should I put it, the, uh, the genetics of the, the population who got the uh, coronavirus uh, made a big difference, uh, and they discovered this fairly early on by examining, you know, uh, lung, you know, uh, bodies and what have you. They found out that East Asians 
are much more susceptible to the coronavirus because the virus, uh, there are more receptors in Chinese lungs, you know, for no particular reason. But the, 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 the genetic makeup of, of East Asian people's lungs is more receptive to the coronavirus. And that's what kills most people with the coronavirus. You know, you basically suffocate. And in Africa, on the other side, and the other hand, they are the least. You know, their genetic uh, uh, composition in most Africans uh, is least likely to uh, allow the uh, the uh, the coronavirus into their lungs, so go figure. And also, they found they found isolated populations in Europe and other places where you know when they when they when they did the the, uh, the analysis of the uh, the bodies of the lungs, they said, well, for some reason, people in this part of Italy, <laughs> uh, go figure, uh, you know, had that that genetic mutation, as it were, uh, that that basically makes them resistant to the uh, uh, to the coronavirus. Again, these are things you only find out in hindsight. Uh, but it is it are it is interesting insights because the next coronavirus, the next pandemic will probably have the same effect. Different populations will have different levels of resistance to it or, or vulnerability, as the case may be. And uh, and, and unfortunately, in, in this case, uh, it was very stark compared to the the uh, the Spanish flu. Which hit the fit, which killed mostly, you know, people in their, you know, their, you know, healthy and what have you. Whereas this one is just quite the opposite. So you never know. Well, I guess the one thing that we'll be doing uh, as the summer comes on and makes its uh, progress is we'll be looking to see what happens when the bad guys go back to work and get working again. So I, uh, I expect most, again, most of them, unless they're already sick. Uh, it'll have no impact, or no, no noticeable impact. Right. Uh, so we'll, and, and, and that's what scares a lot of the politicians because they love this crisis situation. Right. They can do all sorts of naughty stuff, get away with it. Well, at least we'll have stuff to report on again this summer and uh, uh, talk about. Maybe uh, those hot spots will become hot again. Indeed. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up, and uh, we'll talk to you, gentlemen, next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.